This is episode 21 of Cinescope. And you coming? Why, to the North Pole, of course! This is the Polar Express! Welcome to Cinescope, where our goal is not to criticize or to assign ratings, but rather to celebrate the movies we love, exploring story, characters, music, and irrelevance to the world around us. I'm your host, Chad Hopkins, and today I'm doing something very different and very special, a commentary track of one of my all-time favorite movies, The Polar Express. This is technically the 25th release piece of content on the Cinescope feed, so thank you all for your continued support as we move along and continue putting out a show that I'm pretty proud of. After I introduce the movie and those involved in making it, I'll let you know when to hit play so that you can follow along while I talk about the movie. What I notice, what I know about its production, all of our usual topics, story, characters, music, and relevance. So before we get to that, let's start with stuff about the film. It was released on November 10th of 2004. It was directed by my favorite director, Robert Zemeckis, who also directed Romancing the Stone, the Back to the Future trilogy, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Forrest Gump, Contact, What Lies Beneath, Castaway, Beowulf, A Christmas Carol, Flight, The Walk, and most recently, Allied. It was written by Zemeckis and by William Broyles Jr. and was based on the book by Chris Van Allsburg, who also served as producer for the film. The music is by Alan Silvestri, who composed all of Zemeckis' film scores, or at least most of them, and the score for Captain America the First Avenger, The Avengers, and is also set to score the upcoming untitled two-part Avengers movies. This movie stars Tom Hanks, Daryl Sabara, Tom Hanks, Nona Gay, Tom Hanks, you get it, Jimmy Bennett, Eddie Deason, and Michael Jeter. And so now, on to the commentary. To prepare for this, I've watched the film twice, one of those times in the theater, in IMAX 3D, and one of those times starting and stopping in order to take many, many notes. I think the grand total was 15 and a half pages. And I also read the book by Chris Van Allsburg again, and watched all the special features on the Blu-ray release. I don't plan on this commentary being non-stop, but I will be talking most of the time, so I would recommend turning on your subtitles so that you can still follow along the dialogue in the movie as I talk over a lot of it. For synchronization purposes, I'm going to hit play and say now when the WB logo appears on my screen. And just remember, this is a commentary. It's synced to the movie, so I might stutter over my words a little bit. Can't really edit it out. Just bear with me, and I hope you enjoy this. So with that out of the way, and with the WB logo lined up on your screen right as it appears, I will count down from three, and when I say now, that is when you can hit play. And here we go. Three, two, one, now. Now this opening music that we hear is the Believe theme, and it was actually composed before the song that you hear in the end credits, sung by Josh Groban. And the song was composed by composer Alan Silvestri and by Glenn Ballard.
Now, this opening monologue is almost word for word from the book, um, with one key change. Right there, in the book, it says, a sound a friend had told me I'd never hear. Whereas here it said, I was afraid I'd never hear. And so by making this change, they sort of changed the hero boy's motivation from proving a friend wrong to proving himself wrong, because he's afraid that Santa wasn't real. He's a skeptical character in general because of that. It's not that he's questioning this one thing, he questions everything. And we see that throughout the course of the movie as he continues to express doubt over various situations or decisions. Now you can see the wall decorations in the corner next to the bed, stuff like that. All that is direct from the book, and there are a lot of shots in this movie that are directly from the book and translated into the movie. So if you check the show notes, I actually took some pictures while watching tonight, holding up pictures from the book next to screenshots from the film, and I will put a link to an album where you can see those comparisons in the show notes. Now here we're really seeing his desire to see Santa, seeing his dad carrying Sarah. And I mean, like I said, we're, we're seeing his desire to see Santa, but we're also seeing at the same time his sort of penchant for quickly debunking Santa. He doesn't want Santa to not be real. We're about to hear him, him sort of feel guilty to have told his sister that he wasn't sure if Santa was real. Now, the cinematography in this movie is very, very good as well. Looking through this keyhole right here is really cool. You know, watching the special features, they talk about how they were able to basically place the camera anywhere they wanted in the scene just because it's a digital environment, but they still actually had a real-life uh, camera operator operate the camera so it felt authentic. Now, the music that you hear here is heard a few times throughout the film and i'm going to refer to it as the doubt theme on the soundtrack you first hear it in a track called seeing is believing but most of the time we hear it in the film it's because he's doubting something that is happening going on and so i will continue to point that out and refer to it as the doubt theme Now, the idea of the encyclopedia is sort of a reliance in science rather than faith, which, of course, makes belief in Santa difficult. And this particular shot is very important. Remember the, the camera going below and showing him up through an object, because it only happens one other time in the movie at the end. And it's important to remember that because it's a good sort of juxtaposition. Now, just while we wait, um, quick factoid. Tom Hanks, of course, did a lot of motion capture and voice work for all these characters, including the hero boy, our main character here. He did the motion capture, but the voice was provided by Daryl Sabara from the Spy Kids films. Um, but Josh Hutcherson from the Hunger Games series actually 
did some additional motion capture work, probably as a stand-in. I love that hubcap shot. The ticking comes to prominence now, and remember that because it happens one other time at the end of the film. Zemeckis is a master of setups and payoffs, as we see, of course, in Back to the Future, and we'll see it a lot here, too. And it is 5 to midnight. Keep that in mind. Here's another shot directly from the book, the leaning on the bed, looking out the window. That's straight from the book. Now keep this in mind as he tears his pocket. That's something that you're going to want to pay attention to later. I love the steam reveal here, uh, revealing the train for the first time. And this is basically the shot that we have on the front cover of the book. And the author describes it as an apron of steam, if I remember correctly. We also still haven't seen the full name of the train. That's about to be revealed in a second. So pay attention to how they reveal this. It's a really cool shot. Right here. Just a simple pan. Now this is one of my favorite lines in the whole film, as you probably already know, based on my intro. I love the idea that the Polar Express picks up those in their crucial year regarding their belief in Santa. It's, just, it's like they're seeking to preserve innocence and wonder as well as the faith in the magical. It's also worth noting here that we don't have a name for this main character. He's simply referred to as Hero Boy, even in the credits. 
In fact, there's only one named major character, and we'll get to him in just a little bit. But uh, I, I think that the reason that these characters aren't named is because it's hard to identify as much with a named character. I mean, it's not hard, but it's just so much easier to fit in with a character who doesn't have a name and sort of picture ourselves in that role. Now, in the book, he doesn't hesitate at all. There's not that moment where he decides, eh, maybe I won't get on. He just grabs a conductor's hand and he pulls him on board. And so I like that that, that comes into play better later because the conductor specifically has a quote that makes that decision more meaningful. And the conductor, uh, it, it appears that he was just... He assumed that the hero boy would join them. He, he was there waiting, ready to open the door. I think his hesitation shows the hero boy's inner struggle between wanting to be proven wrong regarding Santa's existence because he's fearing that he doesn't exist, but also fearing that he might be right about him not existing. And so that's what that hesitation was about. But in the end, he did get on. If you can, listen to the songs the kids sing throughout these sequences in this car, because they sing a few songs that we don't hear until later. So here they're actually singing the Polar Express main theme, and we don't hear that until much later in the film. And this kid is the know-it-all kid. That's what we know him as. No name. We're just trying to identify with him and learn from his mistakes, as it turns out. He's voiced by Eddie Deason, who was known as Eugene from the Grease films, and, of course, Mandark in Dexter's Laboratory. And the actor looks just like his character here, if you were sort of trying to put a face to the name. Everybody else is noticing things in the store like the presents or warm and coziness. And here's Hero Boy, again, seeking out an opportunity to disprove Santa Claus. Quickly disbunk him as quick as he can. Did you hear that musical cue? Again, they're trying to draw attention to the fact that you need to remember that there's a hole in his pocket, in his right pocket. Don't forget. This music is, again, the Polar Express theme. We hear it a lot for small scenes like this. I love the the mystery of the ticket punching. We don't really have an idea or of what the purpose of the letters are. We we've just got a B E and know it all kid has L E. What does it mean? We don't know. We have no indication at this point what this means. And it just makes the payoff later so good. So so good. Now remember, Billy's house here is bleak and undecorated. 
Check out the steam reveal of Billy here too. It's pretty cool. Now both Billy and Hero Boy hesitate before trying to get onto the, the train, but it's for different reasons for both. Hero Boy, of course, took a leap of faith despite his doubt, but Billy here changes his mind as a direct result of the friendship shown by Hero Boy waving at him here. Now the music that's playing is important right now. There are many times throughout this film where the music quotes songs from the film, and sometimes the part of the song is important because the lyrics of the lyrics it is referencing. So right there, we heard a preview of Billy's song later. Lyrics being, I'm wishing on a star and trying to believe. Or, with all this Christmas cheer, it's hard to be alone. And, I mean, hey, that's the situation he's in right now. It's hard to be alone, but it's Christmas time. It's Christmas Eve. And so that's why the, the friendship wave from Hero Boy sort of helps him be convinced to join everybody. There are a lot of things in this movie that are sort of over-dramatized, and I think it's just because we're in the perspective of a whole bunch of kids, and because, hey, to a kid, everything's a big deal. And so the break scene there uh, was just a, a an example of a scene where a relatively simple thing is just over-dramatized. Over Now, this upcoming scene is really cool um, because it's a song and dance number. It's the first major song. And, well, it's the first song and dance number period of the film. And if you go to the Blu-ray release, they actually have a before and after of the motion capture for the scene. So you can see side by side with the final product, the actors in their motion capture suits acting everything out, including the dancers. So definitely check that out if you can get your hands on the Blu-ray. The scene is also a glimpse, a first glimpse of the magic of the train. There's waiters doing flips everywhere. They're forming tables out of nowhere. They're about to be squirting hot chocolate across the room and directly into their mugs. No spilling anything. Um, and I mean, Tom Hanks just get a, gets a chance to have a blast. And I think that's really cool. This scene is much simpler in the book. In the book, it's just 
the the chefs come in or whoever they are and they they pour the hot chocolate and they leave we we get one one picture from this scene uh there's certainly not a whole bunch of waiters doing a tap dancing routine so i think that's a a fun sort of uh expansion that the film does And here's the know-it-all, always taking an opportunity to show off his knowledge to others, or rather, what he knows versus what they don't. Um, so the, earlier we had the type of train. Here he's talking about Montezuma and his drinking chocolate. Um, he's about to mention train regulations. And then later, whether it's possible to have tracks on ice. Now, Hero Girl, because, again, she doesn't have a name, she's showing here that she's a kind soul and she's thinking first of others. She just wants to make sure that Billy is included. Here, here's another example of the overdrama. Because apparently it's the end of the world that she does not have her ticket right this second. And again, I think it's just because they're kids. Everything's a big deal. And so here is an example of where his doubt sort of actually punishes him. He was doubting his ability to be able to cross the cars. He was scared of what might happen if he made the attempt. And as a result, he lost control of the ticket. And now we're about to witness the most improbable journey of a piece of paper of all time. <laughs> Now, the shot of wolves coming up is another one directly from the book, without the ticket. In fact, right there is pretty much the screenshot. This scene reminds me a lot of a similar scene from Disney's 2000 film Dinosaur. Um, at the very beginning of the film, there's an egg that contains the main character, and he's passed around throughout dinosaur to dinosaur, and there's actually a similar scene where a, uh, a pterodactyl uh, grabs the egg and flies down a waterfall just like that, and then loses control of the egg.
Here's the first glimpse of our hobo character. I love that he's sort of introduced early. We don't know who he is. We don't know why he's there, um, but he pops up later. See, now the kids are singing a song called Spirit of the Season, which we hear a lot of later. I like that we can still see the ticket and the air vent behind the conductor. It, it sort of adds tension for us. It's almost like in a, a scene in a horror film where we, as the audience, see stuff in the background that the, audi- that the characters in the film aren't aware of. Uh, except this time it's us. And we know that the ticket's back there. It's within reach, but nobody's noticing it yet. So the tension for us is whether or not he's going to find it in time. This is the first time we sort of doubt the know-it-all's knowledge of everything uh, because throwing somebody off a train does seem a little bit far-fetched. See, and this time he's so much more confident. He just jumps right across. No punishment. He, He did it. He made it. He's learning from his mistakes. Now, the theme playing right now is what I'm going to refer to as the trouble theme. This is actually the second time we've heard it. The first time being when Billy tried to chase down the train. And uh, now Hero Boy fears, oh no, Hero Girl got thrown off the back of the train. And so that's when we hear the trouble theme. That theme actually reminds me a lot of stuff in uh, Silvestri's Captain America, the first Avengers score. And here we have Tom Hanks uh, again.
What I like about the hobo is he's almost like a Dickens Christmas ghost from A Christmas Carol. Um, as we're about to see, he expresses Hero Boy's doubt, almost like a fear of being wrong, and iterates that seeing is believing. Now, if you do get the Blu-ray and you do go in and watch some of the special features, you get to see a lot of Tom Hanks in his motion capture suit. And it's fascinating to watch because every time you see him, yes, it's Tom Hanks, but also every time you see him, you can see what character he's emulating. He, his face is different. His acting, like his body motion is different. It's, it's very cool. And this particular scene, you know, something that they did, the way they filmed these scenes where Hanks portrays both characters was he films one character and he'll remember some things that he does as he's one character and when he records the other character he'll remember those things and respond to them as the other character it's pretty cool Most of this particular scene is actually in the same special feature I mentioned earlier with the hot chocolate scene, the hot chocolate scene. And uh, you get to see the side-by-side -side comparison of the before and after motion capture and final product. And now we hear the doubt theme again. See, he's expressing the hero boy's doubt. He's sort of affirming his doubt. But at the same time, he's, well, we just got a hint. He's a ghost. He's the very expression of the things we doubt being real, a real life ghost. And so that made me think maybe the, it's maybe expressing the idea that whether we have opinions over whether something exists or not doesn't affect its existence. So like in the case of Christianity, for example, I believe God is real. If somebody else doesn't believe God is real, then... Does it affect whether God is actually real or not just because that person doesn't have an opinion? No, it doesn't. I always marvel in this scene at the fact that he's wearing nothing but slippers and pajamas. <laughs>
So he's already contrasting the idea that Hero Boy might be dreaming. I love that even though he was sort of reinforcing Hero Boy's doubt earlier, even he is exasperated by Hero Boy's excessive questions. Now this flat top tunnel is the first of very strange train construction choices, design choices. There's just so very little room for error. Um, but the scene coming up is one of the more creative in the film. See, the skiing down a train scene is just really cool. Like, who cares how improbable it might be? I don't know. It's just fun. And we're hearing another high-energy version of the Polar Express theme. It's basically the same one we heard um, earlier as he was first climbing onto the top of the train. Now, there's an interesting deleted scene featuring a couple characters we're about to be introduced to. And in that scene, they mentioned that this hobo ghost actually died on top of the train as they approached Flat Top Tunnel. Now, that's a classic Scrooge McDuck scenario because that would not be possible in real life. You cannot just jump into a bed of coals and magically fall through and roll to the bottom. Now, these engineers, their names are Smokey and Steamer, and it is the last film appearance by Michael Jeter, who you may know as Father Ignatius in Sister Act, or Norm in Airbud, Dell in The Green Mile, or Udeski in Jurassic Park 3. Uh, the characters were voiced by Andre Sogliuzzo, and uh, they have a deleted song called It Takes Two that you can see on the Blu-ray. Now, that's a pretty direct reference to... Uh, scene from Back to the Future Part 3, which was directed by Robert Zemeckis, uh, when Doc Brown does a very similar theme, a very similar thing in pulling the the train whistle and actually says pretty much the same line.
So here he is expressing doubt again. It, I don't think he's necessarily expressing doubt over what she was told, but rather he just has more trust in his sort of preconceived notions of what a break looks like. Because to his point, what he's grasping right now does look like a break. But the fact that he just changed his mind and decided to go with what Hero Girl was pointing to as the break and what she said was the break because she was told that, that's another turning point for him in the film. Having faith and not doubting. A hundred thousand to a million is quite a jump. That's a nine hundred thousand. <laughs> Here's another example of another silly thing that it shouldn't make sense. It doesn't need to make sense. It's just a fun thing. And you, you saw the conductor's reaction to how the caribou responded just there. And here in a minute, you're going to see his sort of incredulity that what he's doing is working. So look at his face right there. He's, whoa, that, that worked. Wow. <laughs> and so the fact that he's so surprised sort of validates the ser the silliness in my mind. Now, I'll warn you ahead of time, there is a Back to the Future reference coming up here in just a minute. I'll do my best to help you find it because it's very, very quick and you have to have a sharp eye. Here we have the believe theme again. Man, it's it's just such a great theme. And they, they tend to play it as sort of like a, a success theme, I suppose. Now right here, the pin is about to fall out. It's going to fall onto the bearded engineer's head. And right at that moment, look to his right. Because you're going to see a flux capacitor. Here it comes. It's about to be on his hat. To the right, right there. Did you see it? I hope you found it. Now, as I mentioned, I saw this movie just a couple days ago in IMAX 3D. I had never seen this movie in the theater before, so... Uh, it was awesome, and this scene in particular looks great just because it's like a roller coaster. Now, this is another thing that doesn't make much design choice. Like, it, it, it's strange. 
Um, again, it's a great scene. And, you know, I think it might actually just be a quote to the book because there is a line from the book that reads, faster and faster we ran along, rolling over peaks and through valleys like a car on a roller coaster. And what is more like a roller coaster than a roller coaster itself? You know, this whole sequence is like an advertisement for Murphy's Law because everything that could go wrong is going wrong. First, the pin fell out. Now he's about to uh, swallow the pin. They're on this roller coaster strapped to the front of the, the train. And uh, we're about to see there are there's ice on the tracks. And then the ice is going to crack. You know, the ice on the tracks gave me an idea. Um, the know-it-all kid expresses the fact, the true fact that you can't really build tracks on ice because ice melts, right? And so you can't build tracks just on open water unsupported. So I wonder if it's possible that these tracks only exist on Christmas Eve for the purpose of the polar Polar Express. It would explain the tracks that go down the residential streets as well and through downtown and whatnot, and as well as on the frozen lake right here. Just a cool thought. What in the name of Mike? I like watching this scene. I don't know how like technically accurate it is, but watching the sort of skill of the engineer operating the train and how he maneuvers it so easily. Well, I, I wouldn't say easily, but he knows how to do it is what I mean. Like if I was sitting there on the train in control of it. I would have no idea how to go right and left or turn around or anything like that. So the fact that he does and he does it so skillfully is impressive to me, whether it's accurate or not. I think it's cool. And here we get another energetic Polar Express theme, but this is slightly different than the last couple of times we heard it because this is more about the energy and less about the doom and gloom. And here we have more ticket drama as they're coasting along with the track without tracks, without tracks. There's cracked ice that's chasing them down behind them, and they are more concerned about a ticket. And it just goes to show for kids, whatever is happening in the moment is a priority. Now here coming up is one of my favorite musical moments of the film, so I'll just stop and let you enjoy it.
like I said, the Believe theme sort of acts as a success theme. And they just successfully rejoined the tracks. And that was just a, a such great moment for the theme. Beautiful cinematography. The winding around the mountain, not necessary, very cool. See, the hero girl is just so quick to believe that something like an angel saved him, something mystical, magical, and hero boy is only now considering the existence of some kind of ghost. And that is the money quote from the film. Sometimes seeing is believing, and sometimes the most real things in the world are the things we can't see. You know, as a Christian specifically, that line, that line means a lot to me. So he's about to shout, you're a doubter. And these words literally come back to haunt the hero boy later. And we, we've sort of got another Dickens connection. The Christmas ghost is controlling a puppet of the character the ghosts visit. And I mean, nobody wants to be like Scrooge. I'd be pretty scared in this instance, too. In that kind of car filled with broken toys everywhere. It's a scary scene. We again have reason to doubt know-it-all kids' knowledge. He says, you missed it, as if Hero Boy had somehow left the train. Surely he'd, he'd considered that. Now this song is heartbreaking. I'll let you listen to a little bit of it before I say any more.
See, Billy, his full credited name is Billy the Lonely Boy. So he's lonely, he's poor, he's never had an experience with a friend or with Santa. And so he's desperate to prove that Santa hasn't forgotten him. See, that's such a sad contrast with the hero girl's experience with Christmas and wonderful experience with Christmas compared to Billy's complete lack of that experience. But here we see him getting wrapped up in Hero Girl's warmth and kindness, and it just becomes a straight-up duet. They're singing together and enjoying each other's company. I like that glance, and he, they just look at each other and sort of nod. It's like solidarity, like we're going through the same thing. We've had some of the same experience. Now, the Northern Lights are really cool because they sort of serve as a transition between the real world, quote-unquote, and the sort of magical world of the North Pole because Northern Lights are scientific, but there's still some mystery to them. I mean, I'm not a scientist, but as far as I know, we don't know exactly, like 100%, what causes the Northern Lights. And here we get the Polar Express theme. Here's a shot exactly from the book right here, looking through the, the culvert. I don't think that's the right word, but you know what I mean. And so is this shot right about here not here I love that he gets emotional here. It, it's like he's, it's showing that he loves his job and he also still believes in Santa and the North Pole. You're never too old for Christmas and especially for faith in something like this. Now that dialogue about the ocean liner out on the sea and this scene right here are directly from the book. Very cool. As is that kid. It does say in the book that a kid stood up and shouted, look, the elves. So that's pretty cool.
Now, the design for the North Pole, Chris Van Allsburg actually said, was based on sort of the, the textile mills that you see up in the New England area. He remembered those from his childhood. Such an appropriate uh, use of Oh Christmas Tree right there. No reason given for that very strange uh, lining up system. And there they point out, again, it's still five minutes to midnight. It's been that for quite a while now. And Hero Girl is still worried about Billy. She's still caring for others before herself. That makes me so sad. I think he's probably worried that his concerns regarding Santa remembering him might have merit. Just like Hero Boy had concerns that uh, he might be proven correct on the basis that Santa is not real. We get some more roller coaster fun. That's good. That's another example of uh, Zemeckis' setups and payoffs. The kid knew to look for a break because he had used it earlier. I don't know if train sort of hub stations like this exist, but this one's pretty cool. I like the, like you sort of bring the car in, you spin it to the destination you want, and then you, you it's, I don't know, it's just really cool that it spins like that and has several different destinations.
Now, there's a lot about the North Pole regarding the sort of mechanics of the North Pole and how things work and what exists that I really, really like. And one of the things that I really, really like right now is that the North Pole is just constantly playing classic Christmas Christmas songs. So right now we've got the Andrews sisters and later we hear some Sinatra and Crosby and Perry Como. Uh, It's just a, a nice touch. That particular musical flourish is very Back to the Future-esque. And there we see Hero Boy's continued doubt versus Hero Girl's continued confidence. She's, she's not letting Hero Boy put her down this time since she ended up being right last time regarding the train break. And in turn, Hero Boy is learning to trust Hero Girl more, especially with her expressing that kind of confidence. Now, I'm not absolutely positive, but I think that this head elf that we hear with the the sort of Yiddish accent is voiced by Charles Fleischer, who voiced Roger Rabbit in Who Framed Roger Rabbit, directed by Zemeckis. And he also made a couple of appearances in Back to the Future Part 2. And we're about to see, ultimately, despite being essentially the naughty nice police, the elves go more towards the side of compassion. But of course, we got to put them on the check twice list for next year. Now, this pneumatic device is pretty cool, too. Just another north pole mechanic that i really enjoy
Now, this talk of the bells that they can't hear anymore for one reason or another, we still don't know exactly what the significance of the bells are. We just know that only Hero Girl and Billy can hear them, and Hero Boy can't for some reason. We don't know what the significance of that quite is just yet. Now, this right here is funny at first. I mean, hey, he just dove headfirst into a who-knows-where-it-leads shoot after a present. But it's also a sort of sad reminder, his life has not been that great. And that might be, just might be, his very first gift. And here's another example of frivolous design that doesn't really make a lot of sense. But hey, it makes a great film sequence and it's a lot of fun. And here's one of the first times we get a, a sort of remix, uh, remix isn't the right word, a juxtaposition of both the Believe theme and a song called Spirit of the Season, which just started, if you're synced up with me. Um, and it's one, this is one of my favorite moments where those two are put together. We heard a, as I mentioned earlier, we heard a sneak preview of Spirit of the Season on the train earlier, sung by the kids. He's so excited, and that just makes me so happy. But I also love this. Those are the rules. You gotta wait until Christmas to open your gifts. This whole method of bag transport, and the size of the bag, and the way it's... Uh, the, the bag itself is just really, really cool. The fact that it's this literal mountain of gifts they're about to be airlifted via rope launcher to air uh, helicopter thing i mean it's genius it's i mean the, the north pole itself is just amazing everything in it is so cool Now this music, you should recognize it because we've heard it a whole bunch of times up to this point. And it's just a sort of fanfare that basically says what's happening is awesome. It's like a this is awesome signal.
So here we have Believe playing. It's about to go back into Spirit of the Season. Right there. And here we have another overdramatic child moment as, well, it's about to be revealed, something is pulling Billy's leg. And Billy is still clinging to that gift, his likely first gift, despite the quote-unquote danger he's in. Whatever has his leg. Which is just, boom, the know-it-all kid. Really not that big a deal, but... Again, the kids over dramatic. It's okay. That's kids. And we get Oh Christmas Tree again. The elves are so polite, they're probably Canadian. Still five to midnight. Now, right there, he just said, I don't think we're going to make it. And if you're listening, there's the doubt theme again. This time it's quicker. It's a more energetic tempo. It's the only time we hear it like this. It's always slower, except for right here. Here's Believe again. And, I mean, we get it a lot in the North Pole specifically. We've heard it through the whole film, but in the North Pole specifically, we get it a lot because I think the location is essentially the epitome of something you have to believe in. Now, Roger Ebert is my favorite film critic of all time. Um, I just always sided with him. I, I agree with every, most of what he wrote, I should say. And in his review for this movie, which he gave four out of four stars, he mentions the about the, the Santa's operation of it all and how it's basically Claus Incorporated. Here, it's a business. He, he talked about the efficiency or well-oiled machine of it all, as the conductor just said. Ebert's review is linked in the show notes if you want to read that read that and check it out.
That's the first quick glance we get at what is in the uh, conductor's stopwatch, pocket watch, but we're going to get a better glimpse here in a little bit. I'll talk about it more then. In this scene, we get a lot of Christmas carol integration, which I think is a lot of fun. So we just had Jingle Bells. There we've got Jolly Old St. Nicholas. And there's Deck the Halls. But only those characters get Christmas carols. Billy, we're going to get a little bit more of his song from earlier. Now, I mentioned how the lyrics of the, the song selections they use is important. So right there, we heard what could be used lyric-wise as presents for the children wrapped in red and green, which is Billy's gift, and hoping Santa's on his way. Very appropriate. So here's our first iteration of the actual words for Spirit of the Season. And they said the words, you can hear it if you listen. And then they've got wherever it is, you need to share it. So that might be a reference to the bells themselves, which we're about to see. Now, this scene makes me so sad watching his face turn right there because everybody else, it, everybody else is so excited because everybody can hear the bells, but here a boy can't. He sees everybody reaction, reacting to it, but he can't hear anything. What, what are they reacting to? And it, it sort of breaks my heart. He looks like he's about to cry right here because he realizes he's the only one who's not able to participate in this because he can't hear the bells for some reason. And so we're starting to get an idea of why he might not be able to hear the bells. This is amazing. I think it's so funny that they chose to use Santa Claus is coming to town as an introduction to Santa before he enters the area. Now, right here, because of the way the elves are standing on each other's shoulders and blocking the view, none of the kids can truly see Santa at the moment. But Hero Boy is the only one who truly needs to see him, to fully see him in order to believe. He's desperate for it. Right now, he's he's, he's crying. I'm. It's so sad. He's so desperate. And 
his heart, my heart breaks for him. I already said that, but wow, he's so hurt that he can't see Santa right now because it's so important to him. I'm sure that seeing is believing is echoing through his head. Now to contrast with that, I do love that Santa is basically a celebrity here, even to the elves who live in the same place as him. He's a celebrity to them. Now, at the start of the film, when he was looking at his encyclopedia, I mentioned a specific camera shot that you needed to remember because it comes back one more time. And it's about to come forward. Right here, as he reaches down for the bell, the camera goes to below the ground. We're looking up through the ice. And remember the last time we saw this shot, it's the only other time that shot is in the film. He's reading about the North Pole in the encyclopedia, about how it's stark, barren, devoid of life. And I was quiet just then because hopefully you heard uh, the hobo's words earlier, Scrooge's words earlier, you can hear doubter echo in his head as he shakes the bell. So that camera shot sort of emphasized how crucial this moment is. And oh man, is the first ring of that bell so sweet. It's the only thing we heard in that moment because it's the only thing that matters. And now we're back to the Believe theme. And there's Santa. So it's important to note he doesn't physically see Santa until he is fully committed to believing in the idea of him, which is why he can hear the bell. Here we get sort of a Wizard of Oz moment. I think I mentioned earlier that the... Well, I haven't mentioned it yet. Well, I'll get to that in a minute. But this is the first of a Wizard of Oz moment. It's like, here's your courage. Here's your patience and humility. Here's your confidence and spirit. And he calls him Billy. See, Billy's the only named character because Santa knowing his name is what's important to his character. I don't think he ever doubted whether Santa was real. He doubted whether Santa cared about him. And Santa knowing his name and calling him by name proves that he does.
Now that is interesting specifically because earlier he expressed a familiar sentiment before he actually climbed on the train. Uh, the conductor said all aboard and he said, or he sort of pointed at himself like me, but here it was more about incredulity and wonder than doubt. Now here in the film, he had to think about the gift choice, whereas in the book, it's almost as if he sort of knows ahead of time what he wants, because remember, he's trying to prove his friend wrong in the book. But here, he realizes the significance of being able to hear the bell. And that right there is another shot directly from the book. Him holding up the bell, his arm around Hero Boy, that's a, it's exactly from the book. It's a great shot. And after being five minutes to midnight for the whole earlier part of the movie, it finally turns midnight as soon as the bell touches his hand, the first gift of Christmas. And that's actually something taken from the book. Don't forget about that right pocket. And there he gets to hear the, the sleigh bells for the first time, and he just smiles. And there's a glimpse of the stopwatch. See, in the book, it says that the conductor carries around a stopwatch, but we don't ever see what's on it or get any hint towards that. So it's really a fun idea that it's just three things. You're either late, you're on time, or you're early. And you're varying degrees of those three things. Now, on the bell real quick, uh, we actually have a couple of Polar Express bells on the family tree and one of them specifically is my very favorite it's got a small section that's hollowed out you see hero boy and santa on the sleigh with the bell and then the bell itself actually has the word believe etched into one side of it and that's my favorite ornament on our christmas tree and here we get a fun mishmash of a whole bunch of christmas carols I really like that shot right there because it shows that the conductor is watching the children's reactions to Santa rather than watching Santa himself. He's seen Santa before. He's enjoying watching the looks of astonishment and wonder that the kids are going through right now. And as he answers that, that's the first time he has given it a definitive answer to something rather than expressing doubt. And we get the reprise of the Believe theme. This gorgeous shot of the Christmas tree as he flies over the elves. They still show just as much joy as always.
Now, that Trail of Sparks, I believe, is a direct reference to Back to the Future as well, because, of course, every time the time machine, the DeLorean time machine, time travels, time machine, time travels, it leaves behind a trail of flames. And here we got a trail of sparks. I like how the Santa here is a traditional Santa. I love like his costume design, and I love that he sticks to Santa norms. He's got the on dasher, on dancer. He's got to the top of the roof, to the top of the wall, and then dash away all. And that's where the Back to the Future trail reference fits in. Now, that is, of course, Steven Tyler singing Rockin' on Top of the World. Um, in the special features, they actually referred to Steven Tyler as having elf-like features. Now, something I mentioned or sort of alluded to earlier, there's the idea of Hanks playing multiple characters in this movie it lends itself to the Wizard of Oz-esque quality to some of it. Even though it's not really a dream, it's dreamlike. And you know, when Wizard of Oz, at the end of the film, it's revealed that all the characters she met in Oz were just sort of uh, imitations of people she knew in real life. And so that's sort of the same thing here. Hero Boy's father sort of, appears as all these different characters in the Polar Express world. And here we have another sort of Wizard of Oz moment. The wizard is handing out his gifts. The fact that know-it-all kids ticket says learn sort of implies that knowledge is more than just the facts that he's been spewing all movie. See, he can trust others now because he has friends now, and that's what friends do. Uh, the lyrics that we just heard playing from his song, there's either putting up the Christmas tree with friends who come around, it's so much fun when Christmas comes to town, or when all the dreams of children once lost will all be found, that's all I want when Christmas comes to town. And leading, it sort of reinforces her confidence and kindness to others because those are good leadership qualities. It's so perfect that he punches the ticket behind his back. He says, nothing I need to know. And then we hear that believe theme again. It's just, it's just perfect. And that's the ultimate takeaway from the movie for me. Believe. And there we just got a similar audio cue from earlier in the film when we he first realized that his pocket had a hole in it.
here's the doubt theme again as they're pulling out. And it's not so much that he's doubting, I don't think. I don't think he all of a sudden doubts this whole experience just because the bell's missing. But the bell is essentially the believe bell. And so no believe bell, it's doubt. And that's why we get the theme here. Then we get the shot of the elves dancing here. That's beautiful. And we pan up one more time. And here in the theater the other day is the first time I realized that the the tree is standing on a compass and all the directions point south. So there is the true North Pole right there, dead center. And here we get a sort of quiet, peaceful iteration of the Polar Express theme. It's the first time we've heard it like this. Remember his house from earlier? Well, it's very different from now. Well, we just heard an iteration of Deck the Halls in the music. And there's a wreath on his door now. There's a tree peeking through the window. And those definitely weren't there earlier. That's sort of the Twin Pine slash Lone Pine Mall of this movie. And one more time, we hear a piece of Billy's song from earlier in the lyrics. Again, presents for the children wrapped in red and green. I think the way he lingers on this, that is amazing. Right there is maybe a reference. Maybe he's feeling more hope in the fact that this is all real because he's seeing, hey, Santa's already been there. Maybe this, maybe there is some truth to all of this night. We've got another soft iteration of the Polar Express theme. And that actually right there, it sounded a little bit like the love theme from Back to the Future Part 3. Now, I don't think they're insinuating a romance from here. It's just a similarity in Silvestri's music. But I think the Polar Express theme is sort of transformed into a sort of friendship theme. It's been, of course, the theme for the train. It's been a theme for exciting things happening on the train. And now it's a theme for friends on the train. And after such an exciting night, words sort of escape them. I love that thank you because it feels so full of weight and meaning and pure gratitude.
in that quote, deciding to get on is what makes the the hesitation from earlier and the decision to, the decision to get on so much more of a payoff here, because his life has changed for the better. Because despite his hesitation, which again, as I mentioned earlier, it's different from the book, he climbed aboard, and it's about the journey rather than the destination. Now, that image we saw just a minute ago of from inside the living room peeking out, that was another picture directly from the book. We get one last wave from the hobo. And now we have the doubt theme one more time because the train is gone. He's back in his house. Nothing is different. The bell is still missing. Santa's cookies are still there. There's no gifts. So he's hoping beyond hope that everything was real as he's climbing up to bed. And if you saw the clock on the mantle there, it is still midnight. So there's clearly some time travel stuff going on here tonight. There was that ticking noise just a minute ago again. As I mentioned at the start of the film, we heard the ticking at the very beginning as he was laying in bed waiting for Santa to show up. And then we just heard it again. Now he just re-ripped his pocket again. So was it a dream? Was it not a dream? There's a shot from the book. And believe one more time. And there was that slight hesitation as he went to shake the bell because I think a little bit of him feared that, hey, maybe it was all a dream and this bell isn't going to do anything for me. Now, this closing monologue is taken literally word for word directly from the book. So is this image of the bell on the table. 
And if you watch here in just a second, there's a twinkle in the bell and then you can see Santa faintly outlined. Right there. And now he's gone. That's something I didn't notice until I was in the theater the other day. And that is all for this commentary. I don't want to talk for too long over the credits so that you can sit back and listen. Stick around to hear Josh Groban's recording of Believe and replays of songs from the movie, including a fantastic choral arrangement of Spirit of the Season and more Sylvester goodness. Please be sure to let me know what you thought of this episode so I can consider whether or not to do more like it in the future. It was a lot of work, but I had fun putting it together. But if it's not something you guys are into, I understand. Just let me know. I'd love to hear your feedback. Thank you all so much for listening to episode 21. I'm Chad Hopkins. This was Cinescope, and we'll be back next week with episode 22. Have fun and celebrate movies. And Merry Christmas.